Obi-Wan Kenobi's Doctor coming out. Doctor Strange. I haven't seen that yet. Oh, you, you should see that. You should watch it. You should watch it. I know. It's, Kelly, it's, I've been asking Kelly constantly. She's like, yeah, let's go see it. And then we don't. That's fair. It is a little, um, I don't know, intense, maybe? Like, not, not in a bad I've way. Heard. But it, I've it's, heard. There's some parts where you're like, ooh, like you cringe yeah. a bit. That is what I've heard, to be ready for some kind of wild stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's made by the guy who made Evil Dead, and it definitely tracks a little bit. Though. Oh, interesting. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Not not nearly as much, obviously, but it's still yeah. a horror movie. Right. Obi-Wan Kenobi's coming out Friday. I'm oh. pretty excited for that. Gonna try to get Kelly to watch that with me, but I, uh, I don't have high hopes. No? I guess she's not oh. big in Star Wars. She doesn't even like Star Wars. Yeah, but like Obi-Wan, though? Like, come on. He's so <laughs> she just... She just texted me and said, this weekend we'll go see Doctor Strange. Hey, I can't wait to hear what she says about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, well, there are two episodes that come out on Friday. Kelly, we're going to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi as well. I think she said okay, but I didn't actually hear her because I have my headphones in. Oh, there we go. Did you yeah. see the, they released a bunch of like, like Disney for some reason today, like unleashed. I don't know if they had an event or something, but they like showed a bunch of teaser trailers for stuff. Oh, I'm excited for Andor. Yeah, you see that? Andor it looks, looks so cool. good. Yeah. Oh, Kelly said uh, no. Oh. Why would she say no? Why, she, we'll we, see about, she loves we'll Star see Wars. about that. As long as I bring ice cream treats, I'm sure I'll be able to convince her. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 on Disney Plus anyway. So, like, you don't have yeah. to go anywhere. Oh, yeah. We don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. If I put, like, blankets and ice cream on mm-hmm. the couch, she'll mm-hmm. be like, ooh, blankets and ice cream. I'll be like, ah, that's a trap. Now we're <laughs> watching cool. Obi-Wan. Now we're watching the guy on a desert planet. I think he goes other places, too. It looks like it, which I'm like, yeah. all right, all right. It's going to be sweet. Did you watch Rebels? Yeah, I didn't like it that much. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like they're taking the things I liked about Rebels, though, which I'm on board with. Steve Blum. <laughs> what? Who's that? He's a voice actor. He it, plays uh, the purple plays guy. Ezra? Oh, Thrawn? Or... Nope. That's oh. a blue guy. Yeah, that's true. Wait, like the big... His name's like fuzzy Zax guy? or something. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. He also played the Toonami robot <laughs> alien thing. <laughs> what? Yep. Like, uh, what? In... In Korra, he played the guy with the mask from the first season, I think it was. Yeah, I've only ever seen the first two episodes of that. Oh. <clears throat> he did show up there. I remember him. Yeah. He, he also like, played Tank Dempsey in uh, Call of Duty World at War. <laughs> Nazi zombies. Throwback to, what, 2008 or whatever? <laughs> yeah, somewhere around there. There you go. Anyway. Anyway. This is Reference Frames Podcast. If you're listening now, you've probably listened before. So I'm not going to get into the whole spiel of... Uh, of what we do here. I know, it's time. This is the 15th episode. It's time to let loose the training wheels what if, what and if, get into the podcast. What if poor little Jimmy just like stumbled upon a cool pod? Happened to be well, on the 15th episode. Then he better, then he, then he better buckle up because it's going to be a wild ride, kiddo. That's fair. All right, Jimmy. P.S. If your name's Jimmy and this is your first episode, you can tweet at us at, at Podcast Frames. Nice. nice. Let, it, let us know. Normally we go to the corrections corner, but of course, once again, we continue we to have a flawless record. Uh-huh. Sure. And no one has corrected our any any previous episodes that we have not already addressed. So, Mr. Will, soon to be Doctor Will in the in the future. Oh, can't wait. One year ish from now, Will cannot wait. Would you like to do some reading? Sure. Adopt okay. My persona. Yes, please. Peter Lafleur is in trouble. The owner of a small, dilapidated gym with dwindling membership, he struggles financially and ends up defaulting on the structure's mortgage. All this just in time for the ostentatious owner of the much more successful Globo Gym across the street 
to plan to buy the lot and transform it into a parking lot. Peter only has one shot to prevent his gym being demolished by his arch nemesis. He needs to raise $50,000 in 30 days. After he and his friends fail spectacularly at raising the requisite funds with a car wash, their only hope is to win the prize money from Las Vegas' annual dodgeball tournament. Unfortunately for our scrappy bunch of heroes, they aren't terribly good at dodgeball. They manage to qualify for the tournament via technicality, however. Girl Scout Troop 417, who ripped them to shreds in the qualifier, is disqualified themselves due to heavy use of anabolic steroids and low-grade beaver tranquilizer. Their plight also manages to catch the attention of Irish-American dodgeball legend Patches O'Houlihan. Patches, now wheelchair-bound and in his twilight years, agrees to train the plucky protagonists. To that end, they line up in front of him in the gym to begin their first lesson. Patches expounds upon the need to learn the five D's of dodgeball. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. Justin, a member of the team, hesitantly asks, shouldn't we, like, learn by dodging balls that are thrown at us? Patches responds with the instant classic, that's what this sack of wrenches is for, as he hefts a burlap sack and dumps out 20-odd metal wrenches next to him. The wise sage then simply intones, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, and hurls a wrench right into poor Justin's face. There you go, Ian. That is a, from the uh, the classic cin- cinematic masterpiece. Uh, I believe it's Dodgeball, an underdog story, something like that. I don't, can't even do a I can't even do a quote from the movie because you did the one. I did the, be- the best. <laughs> the I took one. it. I took the best one. <laughs> Are there other quotes from that movie? Surely, I haven't seen it in like I don't know a decade. But I feel like I tried to watch it on a plane and it was just uncomfortable. Oh, really? Doesn't that age well? It, it was either that one or it was the ping pong one that's like the exact same but ping pong. Yeah, with the guy from Napoleon Dynamite. Balls of Fury or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Balls of Fire? I don't know. I think it... I don't, I don't remember. Oh, that, that was in the I same didn't... vein as like the, the skating one, figure skating one. Yep. Blades of Glory. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It, what a... What a what a time, what a time for time comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's something. Uh, uh, so anyway, I've never seen Dodgeball. You've, you've never seen Dodgeball? No, I tried to watch it on a plane, and oh, it was man. uncomfortable, so I watched something else. That's fair. It was great. Yeah. It was great in high school. Let me tell you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hilarious. Well, I'll see if I can transform. I mean, he throws a wrench at a guy's face. What's not to love? It's comedy gold. It is. It really. He is. said dodge twice. It's comedy gold. <laughs> there are only four dudes for dodgeball. You stupid. <laughs> yeah, righty. What are we talking about this week? Um. What do you think? Any red herrings in there? Talking about Las Vegas dodgeball tournaments. I mean, I certainly think there are probably some red herrings in there, but not, I don't know, it didn't, it didn't seem like there's a ton of stuff going on. I mean, we're certainly not going to be talking about anabolic steroids or low-grade beaver tranquilizers, I probably don't not. think. Well, Seems yeah. unlikely. That's for our other podcast. Yeah, our biology podcast. Yep. So that leads me to believe we're going to be discussing a property uh, that, that goes along with the title of the film and the subject matter of the film, which is Throwing Balls. Okay. So, <clears throat> it was indeed right. What does that bring us to? Um, we're probably not going to talk about kinematics because that's just about equations. And if you managed to write an episode about math equations, I will be impressed. 
We could talk about, um, I guess, kind of like free fall or uh, like ballistic motion. Projectile motion is what we would normally call that, I believe. I think I'm going to stick in that realm. I think that's where I'm landing today. You landed just as a gracefully shot cannonball would in the perfect spot. Projectile motion is, in fact, exactly what I wrote. Oh, um, hey. But all of the above certainly qualifies. Hooray. Yeah, so today we're talking about projectile motion, parabolic paths, things like that, why things do that, all that fun stuff. So, Ian, it might behoove us to rewind back to our Spider-Man 2 scene with the train and Doc Ock. If you recall, uh, in that episode, we talked about Newton's second law, which is basically about um, applied forces causing accelerations and those forces causing less acceleration if an object had a lot of mass, if you recall. And like the direction things are pushed in is the direction they accelerate in. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, so that's the basic gist of it, right? If you apply a force in a direction, it'll accelerate. The object you apply the force on will accelerate in that direction. And the bigger the mass, the less it will accelerate. That's the basic upshot of that episode. So let's look at an object that's in the air, something that's been thrown or shot or lobbed or whatever, right? In that case, and we're going to caveat this with saying it's not moving super fast and it's not shaped like a parachute, so there isn't a ton of air resistance going on. Uh-huh. Um, but if you throw something at a normal speed that isn't shaped like a parachute or a leaf or a feather or something like that, um, then the only real force that's being applied in any, to any appreciable degree is the force of gravity, right? There's no objects touching it. It's just in the air, right? Other than yep. air molecules, but we're ignoring them. So, therefore, right, as Newton's second law would say, the only force is gravity. We know gravity pulls things downwards. Therefore, the acceleration should just be downwards, right? That's the net result right. of all the forces. So, this, you know, you, I'm sure you're familiar with gravity, hopefully. Um, that's why everything falls, because the Earth pulls them down due to gravity, right? Yep. So... so as we discussed uh, in the Spider-Man 2, a more massive object should accelerate less than a lighter object under this influence of identical forces, right? That's kind of the whole upshot. What's interesting is that with the force of gravity, all objects we know accelerate at the exact same rate, no matter what their mass is. You might have, if you recall back to maybe a physics class or a physical science class, maybe you saw a picture of Galileo dropping like a bowling ball in a feather or whatever off of like the leaning tower of pisa or whatever right and they always felt classic i mean i remember that very there's like a memory implanted deep in my brain of that for some reason never gets old yeah i think he was from pisa so it kind of makes sense and he i looked it up he was born after the tower was built so it could have happened maybe not a bowling ball though anyway (laughs) bowling (laughs) anyway we know that objects fall at the same rate which seems to counteract that whole thing of like, hold on, like the same force is being applied to them, different masses, shouldn't they move at different rates, shouldn't they accelerate differently, right? And this is where it gets interesting because we're effectively having two different effects that are competing with each other and effectively cancel each other out. So as we, as we said, uh, as a thing's mass goes up, it gets harder to accelerate. It takes more force to make it accelerate. But also as an object has more mass, it's more affected by gravity. So the force that's being, that's pulling on it also increases and they increase perfectly in line with each other that as the, the force gets stronger, it gets harder to accelerate and they always accelerate at the same rate because no matter how much the force increases by, um, it gets harder to move by that force. So they perfectly always happen to cancel out mathematically, which is pretty wild. 
Um, it seems simple, right? That like, oh well, yeah, of course, you know, sure, mass is mass, is mass, whatever. Um, but it should seem a little strange because why is it like these? Inherently, there shouldn't be a connection, you might think, between a trait of an object, its inertial mass, that makes that is basically a determiner of how difficult it is to make something move. Right, that's what Newton's second law is all about. The heavier your mass, the harder it is to make you move. Why is that effectively equivalent to how strong gravity pulls on you? That feels like a strange connection. Like gravity is only one of the types of forces. Most forces don't care about your your mass. So why is it that all forces care about your mass in one way, but not in the other way? That should feel a little odd. And maybe it doesn't because you're so intuitive. It it's become normal to you, right? But it bothered one person, at least. And that one person who bothered was Einstein. Um, and Einstein uh, is the first person who actually sort of explained why this is going on, or at least discussed it. And it's commonly known as his equivalence principle, which is really cool. And we're not going to get super deep into that because that's some general relativity stuff, right? But I just kind of wanted to point out that, like, I think most people are familiar with the fact that things fall at the same rate. But it isn't, like, why is one mass equal to the other mass? We have this inertial mass, which is the how difficult it is to make you move. And your gravitational mass, which is how strong planets pull on you. And those are the exact same thing, which feels... It was odd to me when I actually started thinking about it a little deeper. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you want to actually have the answer to that, you need to dive into general relativity, which we did an episode on way back when, if you're interested. So what you're telling me... Yeah. We have a property that we talked about, mm -hmm. inertial mass, which is uh, essentially the, the more massive you are, the harder it is to... Impart a change, right? Mm -hmm. Think about like a big bowling ball on a flat ground. A little bowling ball you can push with your hands, but like a really big bowling ball takes more effort. Yeah, or like a shopping right. cart versus a semi truck, right? It's yeah, a heck of a bigger force to make them both accelerate the same. Right, but there's also gravitational mass, which mm -hmm. is the, uh, you know, the like. What I'm, it's hard to say, right? It's yeah. hard to say what it is, but it's a, it, it describes the way gravity, the, yeah. for, the force of gravity, right? It modulates the strength of the force or something like that, right? The bigger it is, mm -hmm. the more you're pulled by the sun or the earth or whatever. Right. So uh, a, a big bowling ball, even though it's bigger, its force of gravity or the, the, the gravitational force is also stronger. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me, they scale the same. Exactly the same. Little bowling ball to big bowling ball. Inertial mass you change the is shape. the same as gravitational mass. Right. Even These are though not two different there's no inherent connection there. Yeah. Wow. It's weird. It's weird. Very strange. It is yeah. very strange. But, but it is one of those things where, you know, anyone who's thrown a baseball, mm -hmm. right, knows that throwing a baseball is easier than throwing a bowling ball. And everyone has seen the baseball or the bowling ball and the and the uh, feather in the vacuum chamber. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's okay. also the same as how you throw a dodgeball. So let's uh oh hey transition into how it shows up in the movie, right? So the real question we're asking here is: Is the the dodgeball legend, who by the way I believe uh, was in the American Dodgeball Association of America? Uh, <laughs> it's a dumb movie. Um, is Patches O'Houlihan truly as wise as he seems with this adage he has, right? The answer mm -hmm. is actually, yeah, right? Because all objects, no matter what their mass are, have the same acceleration. 
That also means when they're in the air, if they start with the same velocity, they'll have the exact same trajectory. So yeah, literally, if you can dodge a wrench, then you can dodge a ball. Because if you know how to predict the way a wrench flies through the air, then you can predict the exact same trajectory for the ball. Because it doesn't matter. No matter what they are, as long as they're in the air in free fall, they will move the exact same. So it turns out, Patches is wise. And of course, by extension, mm-hmm. a dodgeball flies the same as a wrench. A wrench flies the same as a dodgeball. But mm-hmm. a wrench hurts more when it hits you in the face. Exactly. So it's a better incentive to dodge it. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah, Patches is wise. <laughs> Not beyond his years. He's quite old, but he is wise. Um, and yeah, like, like Ian had said, right? We typically call this projectile motion, this, this, this whole thing that they always travel in the same paths no matter what they are. Um, they're po- parabolic paths. So throwback to your algebra coursework, I guess, in eighth grade or whatever, right? There's a reason we studied the quadratic formula so much, right? Parabolas are really important in physics, in the real world. Anything that's thrown with negligible air resistance will follow a parabola, an upside-down one, but nonetheless. Um, yeah, so if you can predict the path of a wrench that's, about, that's been hucked at you, you can also predict the, the path of a dodgeball. So you can either dodge, you can duck, you can dip, you can dive, or you can dodge out of the way, whatever you need. Did you plan that for the whole episode? Do you have that written out on your script? Maybe. I'll never tell. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, all right, that's that's the concept. That's the scene explained. There is a reason to Patches' is madness. Um, I think you're the only person to have ever come up with the reason for it. Mm-hmm. That's not true. I actually got this idea from uh, a wise man of, of my own, a uh, fellow uh, grad student in my research group. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh. Good old Thomas. Crowds- I don't think you can't say his last name. Thomas, my friend. <laughs> you have to stop You got to bleep that. that out. You got to bleep that out. <laughs> Thomas, my friend, who who is having a child in the next like month. Hey, everyone tweet at us. Congrats, Thomas. Congrats, Thomas. Congrats, Thomas. Anyway, uh, so Ian, where, <laughs> moving on. Where do we see projectile motion, parabolic paths, whatever, or the understanding of that IRL? I'm trying to think of some good ones. You actually listed a few good ones, in my opinion, just a few minutes ago. Thank you. I got to come up with some new ones. Sure. Football. Baseball. Yeah. I mean, that's a great example, right? And that's probably the most common, right, is the reason that people are able to catch sports balls, right, in general, is because they can predict the way they will fly because every humans can intuit that because they see it all the time, right? You always know it's going to follow that same parabolic path. So you can put yeah. your mitt in the right way. You can get your hands in the right place to intercept it, right? Honestly, brains are incredible that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That like Maybe you won't be able to get your hand there because you don't have great hand-eye coordination, but you know where that ball is going intuitively. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. they always follow the same path no matter what. Right. Very cool. Similar very, to, very sorry, cool. keep listening. No, you, why don't you take one while I think some more? Sure. Uh, diving off a diving board, right? That's how you can predict when you're going to land and when you need to do all your fancy flips by, right? Because you know it's always going to be the same time from when you leave to where you land, as long as you jump off the same height every time, right? So yeah, like, we use this all the time to predict how the world will work in all kinds of situations, right? Uh, Diving in sports, probably the most commonly remembered, but there's plenty of others. Trapeze. Trapeze, circus performance. When they when they throw a person from one bar to the other, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's basically a sports ball, but a human. 
A human ball. Yeah, there really is just uh, yeah. There's just a whole lot of almost every sport. Like all, almost every. Like, sport. It seems like sports. Other than right? like bowling and I guess hockey, kind of. I guess for like if you're shooting it, but like if you're passing it, not so yeah. much. Uh, one of my favorite things we did in physics class mm-hmm. was a farmer. Was um, oh yeah, it, we had to write a, a a simulation that a farmer couldn't get couldn't drive to his field. <laughs> And so he was going to airdrop bays of hail to his cows. Bays of hail, you say? That's right. Bays of hail. I love bays of hail. Oh, boy. Bales of hay. Excuse me. I don't know what happened. It's okay. I had a real Ronnie Babbitt situation. It's 7.57. Coming out of the sky. Won't you nice. take me down to Memphis? Huh? Midnight uh, down of all the moon. Please don't sue us, John Fogarty. Yeah. Um, Is he alive? Yes. Okay. So he can still sue us. I didn't say anything, John. I love you, John. <laughs> uh, and we had to simulate the motion of the hay bale falling out of the plane after he pushed it. Yeah, and say how far it would go and all that fun stuff. And wh- like when he would have to let go at what altitude to yeah. land on target right by his cows. Have you seen that video of the person like in like a crop dusting airplane dropping off a Subway sandwich to a guy? Have you seen that video? <laughs> no. Oh, it's amazing. There's like this person on a combine in the field and they're just like recording as this they i think in the caption of the video it's like their grandfather or something but he's like in the field with them and you see just this crop dusting like airplane fly overhead and a little package just like flies out of it and <laughs> catches it it's unbelievable i'll, I'll see so if we can fun. find the link and hopefully we'll have the link uh, under this yeah it is hilarious that is awesome yeah all right any other examples yeah you're missing a pretty classic one and in fact i it, am mm-hmm Give me a hint. Warfare. What? Warfare. Combat. What are you talking about? <laughs> like literally any non-self-propelled ballistic bullets, catapults, trebuchets, cannons, all that fun stuff. Anything that's not a rocket or like a jet will follow that path. Right. Right. Oh, good old trebuchets. Everyone's favorite. Oh, love a trebuchet. We should do one of the Coriolis effects sometime. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if we it. can describe it without a visual, though. That's one that helps having a three-dimensional object to point at. So imagine you're on. So there's like a swirly <laughs> pattern. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe we won't do Coriolis effect. We'll have to start a YouTube channel or something. That's what everyone says you're supposed to do with podcasts, anyway, in order to get uh, natural, uh, organic growth. Oh, really? Have a video yeah. to go with it. But I, that's so much more effort to edit a video, too, it's dude. True. It's true. Yeah, you just uncut, uncut footage. That's what you need. That's for the Patreon members only. Oh, God. All right. Enough out of you. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's mostly what I had too. I mean, anytime anything's in the air, I mean, you could maybe talk about, um, it's a little more complicated maybe, but like, you know, anything that orbits anything, right? That was Newton's big realization that the moon was falling, right? When the apple hit him, he's like, oh, wait, that's what the moon's doing too, right? So technically like a satellite in orbit, you know, it's also... In free Everything fall. is just falling, but not quite fast enough to get us. Exactly. Yeah. It's very cool. Very cool stuff. Maybe we'll talk about orbit some other time, too, because that is a That'd little... be a good one. Interesting. Interesting that's stuff. That's a little heady. Yeah. All right, that's so all here's, that's, that's what I got. So the punchline is, mm-hmm. everything on Earth flies the same. Falls the same. Follows the same. Falls the same. Fine. Yeah. Falls the same as long as it's not shaped like a parachute or any other thing that is impacted by air resistance, which we didn't really talk about in this episode, but don't you worry, kind people. We'll get there. We'll get get there. there. If you move fast enough or you're shaped wide enough, you got to worry about it. Then you got to be concerned. 
So that takes us to our question of the week, which is remarkably on topic. Mm. Fortunately, I found this one searching through the dredges of our questions, scraping the bottom of the barrel, folks. Uh, so again, if you have any questions, you can tweet at us at Podcast Frames. We also have a Facebook page. We will no longer have a Facebook podcast Aww. because Facebook, less than a year after launching podcasts, is sunsetting the service. Wait, really? Yeah, it turns out people don't go to Facebook for podcasts. Amazing. Who would have known? Who knew? <laughs> Our question this week comes from at Davy Nelly, who Ooh. says, how long does it take for a cow emoji to reach maximum velocity? Interesting question, Davy Nelly. And that is exactly what, well, not exactly. This has air resistance here. So it does. First, let's preface this by talking about what terminal velocity is and what it means and why it exists in the first place, right? So as we said, unless you're shaped like a parachute or you're moving very fast, you will always fall the same. And you'll accelerate at, due to gravity at the same rate as anything else would. However, once you start going fast enough, or if you are shaped like a parachute, but most people aren't shaped like a parachute, but if you're going fast enough, then air resistance starts mattering, right? Because gravity is always the same on you. But the faster you move, the, the harder those particles of air are hitting you, the harder they're pushing you. Remember our pressure episode a few weeks back, right? So eventually that actually starts to matter. So much so that once you get to a certain speed, once you get fast enough to a certain speed, uh, your terminal velocity right? The force that the um, air pressure is pushing on you backwards, or up, I guess, in this case, um, is the same force as gravity pulling you down, which means, throw back to, again, it's almost like physics is all interconnected. Wow. Um, to our wow. Spider-Man 2 episode, right? If you have, the forces are canceling out on you, then it won't accelerate you at all. So terminal velocity means you're no longer accelerating, you're falling at a constant rate, and you will continue to do so at that speed until you hit something. Or you, you know, pull a parachute and slow down i guess um so one of the two. first great question david nelly as far as the time it takes to reach terminal velocity for a cow i'm not sure i haven't uh, done the calculations um but i can tell you because someone did the work for me which is very polite of them there's a joke in physics um we often like to simplify systems to make them easier because to a physicist usually we don't care about the minutiae usually we care about um the underlying global effects and stuff like that so a common joke in physics is that in physics classes, you'll, you'll deal with spherical cows of, of uniform density um, because ultimately the things that matter would affect a sphere roughly the same way they'd affect a cow. So we don't really care what the shape the cow is in. In this case, it does matter because air resistance does care about <laughs> shapes of things. Um, so this person that I'm looking at, uh, we, can, we can link this as well. Um, they did the calculations for different shapes. So if you had a spherical cow, in case you're curious, the terminal velocity of that would be roughly 146 miles per hour, which is cooking pretty quick. Pretty um, quick. Pretty quick. Um, and if the cow was a long cylinder, like a long, thin cylinder, uh, like a tree or something like that, um, it almost doubles to 280 miles per hour. And then it slows down a little bit if it's a little squatter of a cylinder, uh, more like a cow, in which case it's about 270 miles per hour. But in any case... Very, very fast. Very fast. A falling cow would beat me in a race. I can tell you that. Tell you that much. Tell you that much. Um, so for the record, what that means is, as you can probably convert yourself, if you, if a cow was at that speed, 280 miles above the surface of the earth, which is well into outer space, by the way, it would, it would take them an hour to land. So if you're anywhere closer to the earth in the atmosphere, you're going to land in like not a lot of time. <laughs> not a lot of Just time. Just wild. Minutes, if that. So... Don't, uh, if you're a cow, all the cow listeners out there, don't, don't try jumping off a building or out of a plane unless you have a trained supervisor. 
with a parachute or parachute yourself. That's my disclaimer. That's an effective disclaimer. That's my disclaimer. So thank you, David Nelly. Great question. Um, yeah, thank you. Where did that question come from, Ian? Why, why, like, why a falling well, cow? Well, oh, so... <laughs> it seems sort of I was out hang- of nowhere. I was hanging out with, with my friend, Davey Nelly. Surprise, he's also my friend in real life. Wow. He's, he's an audience plant. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, and we were talking about Dungeons & Dragons, wherein mm. if you summon a cow above a foe, Within 30 feet, technically, I guess within 200 feet, that cow will instantly fall on top of your foe, dealing maximum damage. I think it's something like 10d6 damage. I think it's, yeah, either 10 or 20. I think it's 20. Which is a bonkers amount of damage, Mm -hmm. which technically you could do with a spell that is not designed for combat. That is just like a lower level spell, I believe. Sure. Summon steed or whatever. Oh, I get. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure. Familiar. So, if you're familiar as a cow. Yeah. So it all came from Dungeons and Dragons, as most good things do. As most do. good things do. I'm pretty sure Einstein was playing D&D when he thought of um, the equivalence principle. Yeah, I'm almost positive almost of positive. it. Almost positive. Like, how else would he come up with it? Yeah, no other way. No, not, not possible. Folks, if you have questions for us, if you're out there and you're listening, first of all, thank you. We appreciate Second you. of all, we do appreciate you. Uh, you can tweet at us at podcast frames. You can email us at reference range or reference at gmail.com. We also do have a Facebook page. I don't know if you can post to it, but technically I think you can send us a message on the Facebook page. Nobody ever has, but if you want to be the first, be my guest. Oh yeah. We don't spend any money on advertising this podcast cause it's just our passion project. Plus it would mean I would have to put my credit card information into Facebook and I'm, I'm going to avoid that as long as I can. <laughs> So if you like this podcast and you think you know someone who also would like this podcast, feel free to send it to them. That would be delightful. Also, if you're listening on Spotify, you can review podcasts now. You can leave them a five-star oh, rating. Really? You can technically leave them a less than five-star rating. But honestly, if you're going to do that, that would be for it's a not worth your time. Yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah. really, it's not that worth the hassle. You know the hassle. You know? <laughs> but if you want to give us a five-star rating, that would just be a treat and a half. And if you're one of our Audible listeners, hey. I'm impressed. I think Bezos probably. Maybe. Yeah, good point. Will, you got any punchlines for the week? You got any wrap-ups you want to say? You know, sometimes sometimes people think people like Patches of Houlihan are just full of it and don't understand things, but I think we learned today that Patches and other people in your life can know a lot more than you can sometimes give them credit. So it's worth listening to different perspectives. That's my punchline. And also, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. There it is. Hey, (laughs) thanks for coming to Reference Race Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Adios.